Today we're wrapping up our series, Messages from Jesus. We've been going through the book of Revelation, and today Revelation chapter 22. If you brought a Bible, or if you want to find that on your phone, if you've ever wondered how does the Bible end, today we're going to take a look at how the Bible ends. And it's really a cry, come Lord Jesus. That's the prayer at the end of the Bible. Come Lord Jesus. That's our prayer today as well. As this series wraps up, I want to give you a preview of where we're going in the fall for the first two weeks to kick off the fall. We're doing something special and unique we've never done before. The next two weeks with a theme of hope and also empowered, you're going to want to be here. Turn to the person next to you and say, you need to be here the next two weeks. I'm telling you, the next two weeks together, we're going to experience something and it's very personal, it's local, and it's global. And both weeks are different. So next week, I think you're going to be so encouraged at what we're doing together next week. After these two weeks, we're going to start a new series, the book of 2 Timothy. Some of you like to read ahead, so check out the book of 2 Timothy. That's our fall series. Empowered is the theme because God wants to empower you far more then a lot of times we realize he wants to empower us. And you are gifted, called, anointing, opportunities. God is empowering his body, not just a couple people, but all men, women, all ages. He wants to empower us together. Second Timothy is going to be the book for this fall. Now, I want to point out that, you know, we had the power outage and then we had the power surge. So the last few weeks sounds been a little rough. Thanks for your patience. We brought in a sound engineer and we're fine tuning, recalibrating, we're repairing, we're actually um, replacing some equipment too. There's a lot of things going on and we're getting there. So keep us in your prayers at nine o'clock in the chapel. That's a softer live stream as we're putting this together as well on the sound side of things. Pray for our tech teams. It's a tech storm we've really never seen quite like this the last month and uh, we're making a lot of progress. Again, thanks for your patience. Also want to point out in the fall as we look ahead about a month from now, we have the Seattle Sounders Faith and Family Night. We did this before COVID and now back again. You just simply text the word faith to our church phone number and you'll get the information. And for this Faith and Family Night, a couple things. Uh, One, I want to highlight that there's going to be 20 kids and students, 18 and under, who at the start of the game are able to go down there, be next to the players. It's an incredible experience. So 20 will be able to do that. But we're just going to have a great time together. Why do we do events like this? It's not just to go watch some soccer, but it's to connect with each other. And then also it's an opportunity to invite people you know to come, maybe they're not ready to come to church, but they would love to come and meet some people. And uh, there's more details coming, but I wanted to give you the heads up since it's a month away. Faith and family, just text faith to the church phone number. Let's pray as we are in this Labor Day weekend. Let's dedicate ourselves to the Lord this fall. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your goodness to us this summer. God, how you continue to sustain us, you're the lifter of our heads. And God, as we're here today and we think about Labor Day weekend, God, I thank you for every person that's both on campus and online. Lord, the way that you're near to them, you guide them, you go ahead of them. Thank you, Lord, for the gifts. Thank you for the places you placed us. Thank you for our jobs, our roles, our responsibilities, and the strength you give. God, we pray you'd establish the work of our hands. Give us fresh vision. We want to align with you. God, we pray many lives will be transformed this fall. We pray for all students as well in the classroom. They would sense your closeness, represent you on campus courageously. 
God, and walk with you. Bless all the educators who are pouring their lives into the kids and protect our homes and our families this fall. God, thank you again for the strength that we have, and we thank you what you're doing right now as we gather. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. The book of Revelation is extremely significant in your walk with God. That's why we focused on this book for an entire summer. It includes the words of Jesus, which is the resurrected Lord and messages he has to the churches and also to us today. It's extremely relevant, it lays out a plan, and it covers major events that are coming on the prophetic calendar. It covers the future. There's a lot of books in the Bible that look back, and we want to know the history. But we also want to understand the times we're living in right now. And the book of Revelation lays out what is coming and leading up to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And that's why we cry out, come Lord Jesus. This book of Revelation is one that you don't want to neglect. Don't skip over it or avoid it. Don't assume you know what it says just because you read, I don't know, a, a famous novel or you watched a movie or someone told you something about the book of Revelation. Actually get into God's word. A lot of people in our culture are mocking the truth of the book of Revelation right now. Don't fall into that trap. And then there's confusion about the book of Revelation and that's why it's important. You know, get in the word, get in the life group here, get a study Bible, you can grab some commentaries as well. There's great clarity as you know you grow. It's not just to absorb knowledge, but we learn about God so that we can walk with God. We learn the word so we can do the word. It's knowing and growing and we're gonna highlight that in four specific ways today. I wanna say this personally, uh, what helps me a lot of times is to step out of the details of the week. Would you agree there's a lot of details in your week? I mean, we have four kids, they're going back to school, they're all in sports, the schedules, the rides, wait, they just changed the date of that tournament. Like there are so many things during the week, so many details, and sometimes we get immersed in details, details are good, but what helps us in our walk with God is that we step out of that sometimes and we meet with God. The book of Revelation does that in my walk with God. Prayer might do that in your walk with God. Worship might do that in your walk with God. But instead of being consumed by the right here and right now, we step out of that and what happens? We see God with awe and wonder and joy and hope and then we re-enter with a fire with the fire of God, because we've met with God and awe of who God is, and God is in those details, but now we're transformed because we've stepped back and prayed and worshiped, and we see who he is in the book of Revelation, and we're blown away, and now we re-enter with the fire, and you need the fire of God. The Bible says, don't put out the Spirit's fire. Jesus baptizes you with the Holy Spirit and fire. When you have no fire, then you know what? The challenges just look daunting and they look like mountains and you just get overwhelmed and you just want to give up with no fire. But I'll tell you, when there's a fire there from the Holy Spirit and God's moving in your life and God's presence in your life, then the mountains look different and the fire of God just has a way of blazing some of those challenges and you just keep walking forward by faith and in unity and victory. It's really important what's happening inside of you and I think the book of Revelation encourages us to worship God and be filled with his presence so then we can move forward together as we face what's coming this fall. Amen? Okay, knowing and growing, not just knowing, knowing and growing. Here's the four specific areas. First, know the prophecy because God has a remarkable plan that leads to confidence. 
The Bible is a prophetic book. About 20% of the Bible is prophetic. There are so many prophecies that have been exactly fulfilled. These prophecies will come hundreds of years before the fulfillment. It builds our confidence in God's plan. There's a number of prophecies that are not yet fulfilled, but the book of Revelation covers these prophecies, and they're coming, and they're clear. As we've gone through this book, now you should be able to be familiar and know about the Antichrist, the false prophet, demons, the devil, the devil being thrown into the lake of fire. You should know this great tribulation that's coming. And maybe you've looked back at Daniel and noted these seven years. This tribulation, seals, trumpets, bowls, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls, that things don't get easier before Christ returns. And yet in the middle of all that, we also know that he will return. We say the word rapture, which means caught up with the Lord in the air. It's important to know that word. It's important to know there are two judgments, that all of us are not gonna end with biological decay, but we are eternal beings and we will come before God. And your name is in the book of life or it isn't. In other words, you put your trust in Jesus or you haven't. And you're with God forever or you're separated with God. He's done everything he can to invite everyone to be with him forever. But many reject his love and reject the grace of Jesus. Don't do that. Don't harden your heart because this is real. And then there's another judgment for believers and it's based on your faithfulness to God. And there's roles and responsibilities in heaven and rewards in heaven based on how you live today. So how you live matters for eternity as well. And heaven is real and hell is real. And that's a lot to take in. Uh, I don't take it all, I don't understand everything about heaven. It's greater than what my mind can comprehend. I don't understand everything about hell. But I see it all very clearly throughout scripture and Jesus says it. These are realities that sometimes we just want to avoid or the culture wants to pretend they're not there. But God's word is very clear. And we can look at these and be encouraged and be courageous. Revelation 21 gives a picture of what's coming. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Wow, a new heaven, new earth. In other words, all things created here right now are temporary. These clothes, this pulpit, the chair you're in right now, this building, it's not gonna be in heaven. We live in a world with most of the stuff is temporary. People are eternal, God's word's eternal, but big changes are coming. A new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and first earth passed away. There, then also, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Jesus says, I prepared a place for you. There's a special place. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with us. Right now we worship God, this Father God in heaven, at the right hand of the Father, Jesus. We don't see Jesus today physically. That's all gonna change. We're gonna see Jesus face to face. God's gonna be with us. He will live with us. We will be his people. God himself will be with us and be our God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. You might be fed a lot of deception, half-truths, lies, 
These words, Jesus says, are trustworthy and true. You can bank on the truth of those words. Well, what do we do as we go through the book of Revelation? We want to take this in, not just our heads, but our hearts. We want the word of God to dwell in us. And I realize I didn't set all this up, right? You, as you read this, realize you didn't set all this up. There is not a committee at Grace Community Church that gathered together and said, you know what, we're going to lay out everything eternally, and we're going to lay out the plan and the schedule. No person put this together. No person can change it. It is unstoppable. It is fact. It is truth. And it is full of love. And it is full of hope. And so we take all of this in, and it humbles us. You know, as you think about this, uh, not, you know, something we set up, in our culture so often, it's my truth, your truth. Well, I'll just look for my truth and I'm gonna go deep within me to come up with how I define truth. And then you do the same and then you have your truth. There's my truth, there's your truth, and then there's the truth. And the truth doesn't change. The truth is my truth is kind of twisted, kind of tainted, partially on track. It's mixed in with my perceptions and some blind spots and a whole bunch of different things. My truth isn't fully reliable. Your truth isn't fully reliable, but the truth Jesus is the truth. And if you've been living in confusion, today there's clarity because Jesus is the truth. You don't have to live in fear because God is love and he's drawing you in with his love. And you don't have to be living in fear, you can choose to live in faith. You don't have to be passive and timid, you can live with passion and purpose. And you don't have to live with discouragement and despair, you can live with the hope of God today and for eternity. Now, John here, uh, let's take a look at Revelation 22, because John's gonna stumble as he shares the truth. In Revelation 22, verse seven, behold, I am coming soon, blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things, and what I had heard and seen them, when that happened, I fell down to worship at the feet of an angel who had been showing them to me. But the angel said to me, do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers, the prophets, and all who keep the words of this book. Worship God. That's what the angel says, worship God. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book because the time is near. John is on the island of Patmos. He's been walking with God for a long time. He's one of the 12 disciples. He's the only one who wasn't a martyr and he knows God. He walks deeply with God. He stumbles. He stumbles because right here he bows down to worship an angel. And the Bible's clear with the 10 commandments. The first commandment is do not worship an idol. Worship the Lord your God. And the one who is being used by God to now share his word is stumbling and starting to worship an angel. And the angel rebukes John and says, don't worship me. I'm a servant. You're a servant. We serve God. Worship God. And that's a good reminder to not have any idols in our lives. I was taking a walk with someone recently, very sincere. He said that he comes from a culture and he continues to practice this in his religious belief that you bow down and you worship man-made idols. You put this man-made idol in a room and everyone bows down and worships the idol. And there's no life in an idol that men or women can make. That's not God. And I wanna tell you, there's a living God. 
And you might hear that and think, well, I didn't bow down and worship any man-made idols this week, but let me ask you, is there anything in your life that's first above God? Because that's an idol. It could be yourself, your money, your career, your family, other people, if other people like you, how comfortable you are, your stuff. Could be relationships, traditions, success, achievement. It could be worship itself or even preferences in worship. The truth is for every nation and generation today, 100% we as humans are worshipers. God made us to worship. And you will either worship God or you will find some substitute that'll fall short of that experience. And to worship God is in spirit and in truth. And we are searching in terms of our worship, what is worthy of my worship? Is my career, is the money, are the people around me, are they worthy of my number one and my devotion? Where's my heart? And the angel says, John, bring your heart back to God. Today, if you have an idol, repent, bring your heart back to God, set things in their right place today, honor God today, worship God today. That's the message that John hears. And also, do not seal up these words. Don't seal up these words. This prophecy, this book, what you know that's true about Jesus, don't seal up these words. We have a lot of followers of Jesus today that are sealing instead of spreading. You sealed up your story. You sealed up your testimony. You're learning so much about the word and you're not passing it on. You know the gospel of God's grace and you're not leading anyone to Jesus. You're not reaching the people around you and your family. You're just kind of scared and silent and you got things sealed. John could have just sealed all this. But God says, do not seal it. Spread it. Spread it, don't seal it. And that's the battle for all of us. Am I gonna seal it or am I gonna spread it? The time is getting closer to Christ's return. Every day we're one day closer. The clock is ticking. So build up people around you. Build up those who are following Jesus and also invite people who don't know the Lord into his love and into this relationship. Don't seal the words of this book. Rick Warren is someone who served God for decades in our nation. And he's getting at a point in his life, I think, where he's more reflective. He's no longer you know, the lead pastor at his church. And I was watching in an interview this week where he said, you know, the hardest thing for him is that he thinks about his life and investing his life. And he thinks about what it could be if he trusted Jesus more. Do you ever stop and take that in? If you really trusted Jesus more, what would your life look like today? What would be the state internally for you? What would it look like in your family, in the relationships? What would it look like in your community? And what would it look like for blessing the nations? If you said yes to God's vision, in the gifts he's given you, what would it look like to really love your neighbor? If you trusted Jesus more, that's what he says. That's what he's reflecting on. And a lot of people, their last quarter of their life, a lot of them just go inward, selfish, stumble, 
And I can hear Rick Warren saying, no, I don't want that to be my story. I wanna trust Jesus even more. I wanna trust Jesus even more. Rely on the Lord. You know, there's so many special blessings that come from the book of Revelation. Out of all the books in the Bible, this is the one book that just keeps saying blessing after blessing after special blessing. And so don't ignore the blessings and what's in this book. Keep going, stay on track, stay with the plan, stay the course, don't compromise with the world, don't imitate the world, don't believe the false teaching the world's throwing at you. Instead, trust God deeply. God has a plan and he has the final say and the end of the story is amazing. So trust God today. Trust him deeply. It leads to the second thing. Know what is temporary because God wants you to shift and go deeper. Looking at verse 11, this is gonna sound strange when you first hear it. Let him who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let him who is vile continue to be vile. Let him who does right continue to be right. And let him who is holy continue to be holy. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gate into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. You kind of think, wait a minute, did, did God's word just say, let the one who's vile and doing evil things keep doing it? <laughs> Does that mean like, yeah, keep going with those bad decisions? No, it doesn't. What it means is this. People are very stubborn in their selfishness and their sin. And even if you come alongside of them in love, sometimes pray for them, even if they learn the Bible, see the truth of Jesus, even if they see the body of Christ living it out, a lot of people are gonna say, no, God, I'm not gonna follow you. I'm gonna hold on to my sin. And at the same time, there's gonna be others who just humble themselves. Washing the robe means purity. God, I wanna be pure. God, forgive me for my thoughts, my words, my actions that aren't pure. God, I wanna walk with you. God never despises someone who's contrite and humble in heart. And there's gonna be some who are gonna hold on to sin and others are gonna humble themselves. And the contrast is to show us that you have a choice and you can walk with God humbly. Now, God's gonna do everything. Look at Revelation chapter 14, verses six and seven. Then I saw an angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language of people. And he said in a loud voice, fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. God will not only spread his word around, but now God will also send angels in the end times proclaiming the good news of Jesus, because the He's doing everything possible to share with any heart that's receptive. And so how do we respond to that? Jesus, it says here, is the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Look to Jesus. This helps me in terms of perspective. Right now, in terms of human history, we kind of picture Jesus in that history born 2,000 years ago, died on the cross, risen. Sometimes we try to shrink Jesus, and sadly, in a lot of churches, 
Jesus, instead of the lead, turns into the follow, and it's preached that you just have the life you want, and Jesus, he'll come along behind you and just keep telling him to bless you, right? That just flipped the whole thing, that you lead and Jesus follows, and he's just there to bless you. No, that's false teaching. This is helpful in the perspective. When you think about creation and all of human history, Jesus is the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, which means Jesus always existed. He's always been God. He existed before any human history. And then he entered into human history because of his love and sacrifice, and he overcame death and victorious, and he will continue to exist forever as the King of kings and Lord of lords, even when this earth passes away, Jesus will still reign. It's important to have an accurate view of Jesus because then what it does, instead of just being consumed and locked into, well, I want this promotion for 3%, and do we have enough great food in the house, and you know, you're just going down the line, is my coach, does it have all the lint gone? Those things, they have some value, but you know what happens when you see who Jesus is? Now you know why you're doing things. And now you're energized and you're passionate and you have an eternal perspective that gives you a peace in the day to day. Don't miss who Jesus is as you go through the book of Revelation. You know, this hit home for me this last weekend. Our family, uh, well, I had a cousin who died and it was a tragic death and my family asked me to lead the funeral and it was almost in Canada, as far north as I can go. And uh, at the funeral, I was given specific instructions. My family, to give a little sense of our family, when I came to know Jesus in college, I didn't grow up believing in God, and in over 50 members of our family, no one was following Jesus. Now, I've seen some in my family come to know the Lord, but overall, there's a lot of hostility towards God in my family. And at the funeral, they made it very clear on multiple occasions that they didn't want me to pray at the funeral. That's kind of new for me, right? I mean, most people at a funeral are gonna say, hey, can you say a prayer? I didn't pray at the funeral, but I said, I've been praying for everyone that, you know, it'd be encouraging and healing. So I was trying to walk that line, honoring the parameters, but at the same time, not shutting down my faith. Does that make sense? In that context, I was trying to figure out what that looked like. Some of you live in that 24-7. At your workplace, every day you're trying to navigate that. How do I love the people around me? And then how do I honor the parameters? And so I, they said, do not say the Bible, do not say God. You know, I shared, I'm a pastor. And then I spoke with people one-on-one, -on -one, you know, before and after. So it was one of those where I was just asking God, for the right opportunities, the right boldness, the right balance of times when I'll be respectful and walk through that. I was stretched. Uh, you might feel that same stretch in your lives as well. But I'll, I'll tell you in the middle of that, one thing that stood out to me is that if you die without Jesus, you're really scrambling. There's just not a real confident hope in victory after death. There's not a talk of heaven. There's not a talk of God's love. And there's not a talk about a relationship with God. And the tragedy feels to be compounded. And it tells me that what we're studying in the book of Revelation couldn't be more relevant in my life and in my family. And I have decisions daily 
what I'm gonna do with the truth of God and how I live that out. And you do too. And I encourage you because I think the default mode for many followers of Jesus has been as things get more difficult the last few years, just fight harder to be comfortable. Create your own bubble where you can be most comfortable. And I believe that's a false gospel. Some followers of Jesus are working so hard to keep their bubble comfortable. And they're working so hard in this culture to keep everybody comfortable. And in fact, when it isn't comfortable, followers of Jesus almost step back and say, God, how dare you not make my life as comfortable as before? I thought you loved me, God. You picking up on some of that? And what I wanna say in the middle of that is that following Jesus never has been or will be comfortable. And if that's what you think the gospel is, you're chasing a mirage. And when you chase a mirage, it leads to an emptiness, a disillusion, and you don't really have the full presence of God and the peace of God, and you don't really have it because you're trying to do everything in your own strength to make everything work how you want it to work, and everyone around you knows it because the stress is so evident. And instead of trusting and following and abiding with God, you're trying to control stuff you were never designed to control. And there's a degree of mental health that returns when you say instead of controlling and trying to, this gospel of being comfortable, is there any other option? Is there any other option? And there is another option. And it's called courage. That instead of trying to make it all comfortable, you ask God for courage to walk through with his love and his truth. And we need to shift in the body of Christ. If the body of Christ in this church shifts from comfortable to courage, Auburn will be changed. The The crime rate will change, domestic violence will change, addictions will change, joy will change, the marketplace, your environment at work will change, and many, many lives will be changed if the body of Christ, it's so easy in the end times to point at the world, but I'll tell you where it shifts, it's internal, the shift from comfortable to courage. Let's move on. Uh, The third one. Know what is new because God comforts you with something greater than today. God has something far greater. The spirit and the bride say, come. Look at verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. Whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. We say come, we live in a world where there's darkness and pain and creation is groaning for a new earth. We are stewards of the earth, steward the earth well, but it doesn't surprise me when I hear reports of meteors that are heading towards the earth. It doesn't surprise me when I hear of things in the climate that are shifting. It doesn't surprise me because the earth is groaning for a new earth. And in fact, we are groaning for the new heaven and new earth and we are groaning for something far better. The status quo in your life right now, Jesus, he's going to bring something that's so good, you would never want to come back to what it is right now. 
He's gonna bring something eternally that's so good. Now, when do we feel it? I'll, I'll give you a couple examples. I got a new phone. I thought this is gonna be a piece of cake. New phone, latest in technology. I've been on Apple Care and the phone six times and we didn't get anywhere around solving it. So then I said, you know, I'm just gonna go into the store this week, talk to him yesterday. And he said, well, actually there's no stores anywhere in the sound that have any openings for walk-on or appointments for at least seven days, check back with me then, you know? And it's, isn't it those moments, the small things, where we just kind of say, come, Lord Jesus, come. <laughs> we have this hammock in our backyard. It's a really nice hammock, so comfortable. You sit back there. We have squirrels, the same squirrels that tease our dog, mock our dog and he can't catch them, and they just laugh at him. The same squirrels eat through the hammock, and we woke up, and the hammock's on the ground now. The squirrels eat through the entire hammock. This is therapeutic for me. Thank you. Appreciate this. Uh, at 3 in the morning, when there's a flight across the country, and our family wakes up, and it says the flight's canceled, and you call the airlines, and they say, there's no other flights today. There's, this is going to take a day off your trip right there. I went to the dentist. This is all just recent. Went to the dentist. One more. Appreciate it. This is healing. Went to the dentist. They said two small cavities. I was in there for two and a half hours in every angle possible. Finally, at the end, they said, well, you just take it as is or we can start all over. You know, <laughs> I never have them before. Come, Lord Jesus. Just make it right. There's something better than this. See, some of you know there's something better and you've just been sitting on it. It's the little things that remind us and it's the big things that remind us. I met with someone who lost her husband recently and is grieving so much. It's think, come Lord Jesus. I have a spiritual mentor who just returned from a trip. He was in Ukraine and he came back weeping. Tens of thousands of people had been killed, he said, in Ukraine. There was someone who emailed me from our church just a couple days ago and said, pray, because this just happened. A car drove by quickly. There was a small child in distress and giving me the signal to rescue me, human trafficking. Pray, because I just called the police. Come, Lord Jesus. This world is broken. We need you. We need what you're bringing around the globe. Come, Lord Jesus. And at the same time in the grieving, we're full of hope because people coming to know Jesus at Grace, people getting baptized, sharing their story with family. We have life groups and people are getting connected. We have people in our church who are stepping up this last week saying, I'll lead a life group, I'll lead a life group. More people need to get connected, I'll lead a life group too. We have international partners who are doing incredible work as we pray for them, support them around the world. We have a media ministry. We just had an event based out of Pakistan and 14,000 people responded to the gospel. There's, I'll tell you right now, the times are getting more challenging than ever and the glory of God is rising up more than ever and it's time in Auburn, it's time for Grace Community Church to respond, to come thirsty to God and to live for him for such a time as this. Isaiah 55, verses one through three, as you check your heart, your thirst for God, come all who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. See, this is grace, an undeserved gift. You're not gonna buy this. Come buy wine, that represents joy, and milk without money, nourishment, and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good. 
Taste and see that the Lord is good. You will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. Nothing will satisfy your soul like the love of God. Say, how do you receive it? You come thirsty. Come thirsty. You have as much of God's love as you want. So come, open up your soul today. Open up your mind and your heart. Come thirsty to God. Jesus has living water. He'll satisfy your soul. Nothing else will. You can play games. You can pretend like other things will. Or you come thirsty. There are people who are thirsty that are drinking deeply in this well that doesn't run dry and they're coming together and it's gonna overflow and it's gonna be a hope and joy that spreads in the end times. Come thirsty. The last thing is you know the revelation because there's only one ultimate solution. So call on Jesus. This is how the Bible ends. Verse 18, I warn everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen, come Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. One of the schemes of the enemy is to try to pull you away from this book. Don't spend time in this book. Don't believe this book. And if anyone ever tells you there's a different book, there's a better book, this book right here, God's word, what's gonna happen is that people are gonna try to delete stuff from the Bible or they will say the Bible's just a little bit that gets you started, but now here's the real revelation. That will be the tactic until Jesus returns. It's the end of the Bible. He wants us to know. Proverbs chapter 30, verses five and six. See, it's a warning in, throughout the Bible. Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words or he will rebuke you and prove you to be a liar. In this book, not only do we have physical life, but we have abundant life daily and we have eternal life through Jesus. As we finish up this, this book of Revelation, a couple of themes that jump out. First of all, the hero dies for the sinners. The hero dies for the villains. That doesn't happen in stories. Heroes don't die for the ones who are sinful. That's Jesus. There's a full final deliverance from evil. It will come. This world of problems will end. There's a full final deliverance. Our God is in control today, no less than he ever was before. And there's an eternity that is 100% based on his grace. And it's not something that we made. And you don't earn your way in there. It's the grace of God. There's a resurrected Messiah. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He will return physically and visibly. And at his return, we will also see Jesus face to face and followers of Jesus be with him forever. In this heaven, there'll be people from every nation, tongue, and tribe. And that's why I get excited when our church looks more like heaven. It's the sound, but it's also heaven. And when we come together as every nation, tongue, and tribe, we're saying yes, as it is in heaven, may it be done on earth. And we join together in that unity. From Genesis to Revelation is a story of God's glory and how much he's done so that we can spend eternity with him. From creating us, this strange existence of 70, 100 years, Lord willing, living on an earth 
that is rotating perfect distance from the sun, God holds it in terms of orbit and placement, gravitational pull, all these different dynamics we didn't choose, but in the middle of that, his love is perfect. This relationship is nothing's more real than God and his love. And when we come to him and know him, sent his son Jesus to die for our sins, risen from the grave, ascended into heaven. Now God's presence, the Holy Spirit is in us, close relationship. It's all leading up to a culmination. There's a crescendo, there's conflict, there's collisions. Christ returns and we enter in new heaven, new earth for eternity. No one can take that away. That's the end of the story. And when that story is preached and presented, and it will be for eternity, some will say, amen, come Lord Jesus. Some will say, I hate you, Jesus. And everything in between, right? So what do we do? We walk humbly with God. We draw near to Jesus. We have courage and hope that goes beyond this world and today. And we unite knowing that we're gonna bless every nation till Christ returns. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your goodness. I pray if there's anyone here today who doesn't know you, Jesus, I pray for a clear decision, a clear decision right now to say, yes, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I thank you that you died on a cross and paid the price. I thank you that you're risen from the grave. And today, Jesus, I'm deciding to follow you as Lord and Savior. God, thank you for all first-time decisions, not religion, but a relationship. And God, guide us this fall as we walk with you. Next steps, water baptism, life groups, serving you, living for you in our workplace. God, shift us from idols to the living God. Shift us from trying so hard to be comfortable to living authentically with courage. And we'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.